So as promised, today we're going to be covering Revelations chapter 13, which speaks of the beast out of the sea. And if you guys recall correctly, last week we uncovered Revelations chapter 12, which spoke of the red dragon and the, um, I believe it was the woman and the dragon. I'm sorry. Okay, so let's get started. So the dragon stood on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had 10 horns and seven heads with 10 crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. Now, let's cover that real quick. This beast was initially identified with Rome because the Roman Empire in its early days encouraged an evil lifestyle persecuted believers and opposed God and his followers. But the beast also symbolizes the Antichrist, not Satan, but someone under Satan's power and control. This Antichrist looks like a combination of the four beasts that Daniel okay, saw centuries earlier in a vision. And you can read about that in Daniel chapter 7. As the dragon in verse 12, 17 is in opposition to God, so the beast from the sea is against Christ and may be seen as Satan's false messiah. The early Roman Empire was strong and also anti-Christ, which in other words is against Christ's standards. Many other individual powers throughout history have been anti-Christ. Many Christians believe that Satan's evil will culminate in a final antichrist who will focus all the powers of evil against Jesus Christ's followers. And chapter 13, we have to understand, introduces Satan's um, two evil accomplices. One, the beast out of the sea, and two, the beast out of the earth. And together, the three evil beings, which the third one is the dragon, found in chapter 12 form an unholy trinity in direct opposition to the holy trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert, okay, he wanted Jesus to show his power by turning stones into bread, to do miracles by jumping from a high place, and to gain political power by worshiping him. And you can read about that in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Now, Satan's plan was to rule the world through Jesus. But Jesus refused to do Satan's bidding. He used God's word against him. Satan turns to the fearsome beast described in Revelation. To the beast out of the sea, he gives political power. To the beast out of the earth, he gives power to do miracles. Now, both beasts work together to capture the control of the world. The unholy trinity, which is the dragon, the beast, out of the sea, and the false prophet, unite in a desperate attempt to overthrow God, but their efforts are doomed to failure. And you can see what becomes of them further down in chapters 19, verses 19 through 21, and 20, verse 10. Now, let's move on in scripture. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and 
his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Now, because the beast, the Antichrist, is a false messiah, he will be a counterfeit of Christ and will even stage a false resurrection. Okay, people will follow and worship him because they will be awed by his power and miracles. He will unite the world under his leadership and he will control the world economy. People are impressed by power and will follow those who display it forcefully or offer to their followers. But those who follow the beast will only be fooling themselves. He will use his power to manipulate others, to point to himself and to promote power to man, um, for his evil plans. God, by contrast, uses his infinitely greater power to love and to build up. Don't be misled by claims of great miracles or reports about a resurrection or reincarnation of someone claiming to be Christ when Jesus returns he will reveal himself to everyone. And you can read about that in Matthew chapters 24 verses 23 through 28. Now moving on in scripture, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, People, language, and nation, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has an ear, let him hear. And the beast will conquer God's people and rule over them, but he will not be able to harm them spiritually. He will establish worldwide dominance and demand that everyone worships him, and many will. Everyone except true believers. Refusal to worship the beast will result in temporary suffering for God's people, but they will be rewarded with eternal life in the end. Okay? And when it talks about the book of life, you could always go back to the notes on chapters 3 verse 5. Now, it goes on to say that if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity, they will go. And if anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, they will be killed. This calls for patience, endurance, and faithfulness on the part of, of God's people. And in this time of persecution, being faithful to Christ could bring imprisonment and even execution. Some believers will be hurt or killed, but... All that the beast and his followers, followers, I'm sorry, will be able to do to believers is harm them physically. No spiritual harm will come to those whose faith in God is sincere. All believers will enter God's presence perfected and purified by the blood of the Lamb. Okay? Remember that. The times of great persecution that John saw will provide an opportunity for believers to exercise patience, endurance, and faithfulness. The tough times we face right now are also opportunities for spiritual growth. 
Don't fall into Satan's trap and turn away from God when hard times come. Instead, use those tough times as opportunities for testifying for God. Now, moving on in scripture, it says that then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom, folks. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is 666. Now the first beast came out of the sea, but the second beast comes out of the earth, later identified as the false prophet. He is a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit, and he seems to do good, but the purpose of his miracles is to deceive. And throughout the Bible, we see miracles performed as proofs of God's power, love, and authority, but there we see counterfeit miracles performed to deceive. This is a reminder of Pharaoh's magicians who duplicated Moses' signs in Egypt. Now, true signs and miracles point us to Jesus Christ, but miracles alone can be very deceptive, and that is why we must ask with respect to each miracle we see. Is this consistent with what God says in the Bible? The second beast here gains influence through the signs and wonders that he can perform on behalf of the first beast. The second beast orders the people to worship an image in honor of the first beast, which is a direct flouting of the second commandment, found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Allowing the Bible to guide our faith and practice will keep us from being deceived by false signs. However, convincing they appear to be, Any teaching that contradicts God's word is false. This mark of the beast is designed to mock the seal that God places on his followers. Just as God marks his people to save them, so Satan's beast marks his people to save them from the persecution that he will inflict upon God's followers. Identifying this particular mark is not as important as identifying the purpose of the mark. Those who accept it show their allegiance to Satan, their their willingness to operate within the economic system he promotes, and their rebellion against God. To refuse the mark means to commit oneself entirely to God, preferring death to compromising one's faith in Christ. Now, in every generation, Christians need to maintain a healthy skepticism about society's pleasures and rewards. In our educational, economic, and civic structures, there are incentives and rewards. Now, cooperating Christians must always support what is good and healthy about our society, but we must stand against sin. In some cases, such as Satan's system described here, the system or structure becomes so evil that there is no way to cooperate with it. The meaning of this number has been discussed more than that of any other part of the book of Revelation. The three sixes have been said to represent many things, including the number of man or the unholy trinity of Satan, which is what I like to refer to it as. The first beast and the false prophet and Satan are the unholy trinity. If the number seven is considered to be the perfect number in the Bible, and if three sevens represent complete perfection, then the number 666 
six falls completely short of perfection. The first readers of this book probably applied the number of the Emperor Nero, who symbolized all the evils of the Roman Empire. Okay, whatever specific application the number is given, the number symbolizes the worldwide dominion and complete evil of this unholy trinity design to undo Christ's work and overthrow him. Next week, we'll be covering chapter 14, which speaks of the Lamb and the 144,000, which some people tend to be confused about. So stay tuned. If you have a message to hit me up with, please do so. Any prayer requests, I'm here. Reach out. God bless.